Listener Production. Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Oh, wait, it's just me! <laughs> Caleb, Caleb already looks mortified. Are you suggesting I'm not a dulcet toned Adonis? <laughs> For goodness sake, I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> oh, God, exactly. Okay, so Jacob William Stanley, my dear, uh, ridiculously tanned co-host is somewhere in the jungle slash ocean nature in far north Queensland. I'm not sure I don't really partake in nature that often. And um, his computer shat its pants. It did a big poopy in its pants and it stopped working. So he is so far away from civilization, he couldn't even get to the Apple store until the weekend. So we unfortunately could not record an episode this week. That's just called Queensland, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I've got Caleb here stepping in. We're going to re-publish uh, a little episode, one of my favourites, called um, the Fake Heiress Anna Delvey episode. And I picked this one to republish because uh, Julie Garner, this amazing actress who we talked about, I think, last week or the week before about um, someone who could play Madonna in the new biopic. Anyway, Julie Garner, who, oh, you know Julie Garner. She's in Ozark. Oh, yes, yes. One of the few, the one of the few shows hair. you've managed to get me to watch. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so she was spotted visiting Anna Delvey in prison because she's going to play her in the new Shonda Rhimes series about Anna Delvey. So that made it feel a bit relevant um, this week. And plus it's just really awesome. I'm obsessed with that girl. She posts stuff on Instagram all the time, even though she's in jail, who knows how. Um, But I didn't want to leave you high and dry without any fresh material because I know that makes you guys cranky. So I thought I'd just uh, do a new little break in news and so I don't have to talk to myself. Caleb uh, has kindly agreed to step in. And what have I got myself in for? Oh, dear. This is, um, we've talked about you quite a lot, darling, on yes, this podcast. I know. The 65-year-old man in a 20-something body. Nothing wrong with that. The young fogey. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone has to be the adult in this relationship. It's true. Someone does. Um, so I'll just do a little, a little, um, do, you, do, you, do you partake in just the gist? Do you listen? Every now and again. <laughs> So do you know what I'm about to do? I do know what you're about to do. I got do I'm, you trying want to, to, I'm trying to read your don't notes. Read my I'm trying list. to read your notes here. One of which No, is, don't spoil it. One of which is penis. I mean what what's Oh no, it? see you don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay. Do you want to try the song? No. Come on. No. Caleb never does think, anything I can't silly. Do the song. You know, Caleb doesn't even wear t-shirts because he says they're not dignified. No, it's gotta have a collar. <laughs> If there's no collar, it doesn't feel right. It's not. Know? It's not dignified. No, no, but it's not about it being. Di- it just doesn't feel right. I just. I don't feel right if there's not something on my. Do neck. you want to try the breaking news song? No, you come do on. The breaking news. Come song. on, you try it. Fans want you do to do something the silly news once song. in your life. You do the bloody song. All right, here we go. Breaking news. Breaking news. I got the scoop. See, extra, extra. Read all about it. Breaking news. Can you imagine ever doing that yourself? No. <laughs> and and I, you, I think the audience is quite glad I didn't. Were you alive when little boys in news caps used to sell newspapers like that? Were you no, around? No, darling. <laughs> Wait. I wasn't. 
All right, so this week I'm just going to do for breaking news actually just a bunch of uh, recommendations because Jacob and I occasionally recommend things that we're watching, listening to, reading, whatever, and you always ask us for more. So I put together a little list this week. And, yes, Caleb mentioned on my list he sees the word penis. So one of my recommendations this week is just penis. Right. No, it's not. You doofus. There's a show called Pen15. Ha, ha, ha. Weren't you? In high school, didn't you ever write Pen15? Yes, okay. everyone did. So there's a show called Pen15. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the first season. The second season just dropped on Stan. And it's two women who I think they're about my age. They're like early 30s. And they play themselves in high school, but everyone else in the show is like 13 in year 7, 13, 14. But they're playing their 13, 14-year-old selves. Right. And they're... It's not even like they don't go crazy with makeup and hair or anything. It's just these two women are such good actresses that they just totally embody 13-year-old <laughs> girls. And <clears throat> particularly for people our age, if you went to high school in the late 90s, like early 2000s, this show is so perfect, everything about it, from wearing your hair in a spiky bun and having two tiny little bits of fringe hanging down the <laughs> sides of your face to all the boys having, like, Backstreet Boys bum part hair, which was, like, the hottest, sexiest hair to have. Um, and also, like, not really a lot of internet. Like, no one had mobile phones then yet. It was just, like... And so they do this show and it is just so beautiful and heartfelt. It's hilarious. Obviously, it's a comedy. But it just captures what it's like to be to what it was like to have been 13, 14, 15 years old back at that time. It is one of the best shows ever. I can't believe it hasn't been nominated for awards. I think it should be this time. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I missed that stage of you with the little twirly things down the Oh, God, and yes, butterfly clips. Do you know what they are? Yeah, and it was, like, cool to have a 1,000 of them in your hair. And also, like, it's crazy to me how makeup these days with girls is so professional and amazing. Like Kylie Jenner sells all that makeup that makes her look incredible, right? But back then we just had like frosted lip gloss. But seriously, you look at photos of 13-year-old girls now compared to 13-year-old girls know. in the 90s. It's I ridiculous. Know. Well, we still looked like girls. Like <laughs> I had actual glitter. Like it was cool to put like um, there was this stuff called glitter gel and it just came in a jar and you just put it all over your face. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's still acceptable in some quarters. And, like, just, like, you know, coloured eyeshadow and, oh, and your eyebrows. You've been to the Fringe Club, Rosie. You know uh, that that's still in. You had, like, you had to have eyebrows that were, like, thin. Like oh, one, thin, yes, like one hair along, like, I'm so glad my eyebrows at least grew back. And eyebrows, like, an inch wide. And I so know, on. but some girls' eyebrows never grew back from overplucking back then. Oh, serves you right, doesn't it? I know I'm a little older than you, but I feel like you're probably lucky to get me at this stage <laughs> in my life. I, you know, I thought 33, that's the time to yeah, do it. Yeah, that's the time to lock. Got through past all of that teenage angst. Exactly. All of that crap in your 20s. Yeah. You're not so lucky. All of that though. crap in my 20s, otherwise known as the mental health mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got like slightly put together successful, <laughs> like not so much of a hot mess, Rosie. <laughs> We'll, we'll keep that together. Yeah, we'll keep that together. Okay, here's one that you do know because we just watched it together, the mm. new the documentary Love Fraud. Mm. Did you like it? I did. It was awesome. Very well put together, Doco. Okay, so on, what was it on? 
Binge. Oh, it's on Stan. Stan, Stan. Um, it's a four-part <clears throat> documentary about this guy who basically um, screws over women, like dates, like dates them, gets them to sign over all their money to him and then leaves them. But in this doco about how many women, like... Oh, they'd be, I don't know, close to a dozen. Yeah, they all get together, all these women who he's defrauded or screwed over and they, like, find this, like... Cool, like sassy female bounty hunter who's like chain smoking, and this female bounty hunter helps them hunt him down. And over the four parts of this thing, how good is it, Caleb? It, it is. It is the, actually the best part, to be quite honest, is this this bounty hunter woman who I don't know she's been in her fifties or sixties yeah. or something, and looks very and looks she's like very, she's lived a hard life. Looks pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but she's sitting there doing what's that little plastic craft thing? Oh, where thing? you you pick up the beads with and a you, pen and you click them yeah, into it. Yeah, but it's like painting by numbers. Yeah. It turns into a picture. You get them and, in Lingcraft. I've and, seen them. <laughs> and she doesn't get one of them in the hole. <laughs> and she goes. Dirty bitch. Dirty bitch. Dirty bitch. Oh, you dirty bitch. But, um, no, it's, it's it's ridiculous. Like what he did, this guy, we don't want to spoil it, but like close to a dozen mm. women and he was married to them in different states oh, at the yeah. same time and he would come and sweep them off their feet yeah. in three weeks. He was like, getting married. And the thing is he's not even, he's not. It's not like he's a Ken doll. He's no, not like no, no. he's an average looking guy. But I kept saying to Caleb while we were watching, I felt so sorry for these women because they were mostly in their 40s um, or 50s. A lot of them had been married before unhappily. Yeah. And he they just he just know knew how to make them feel loved and like he showed them affection and he showed and they they were just lonely women who were desperate for and that. He just gave them attention. And yeah, and that's why and they fell for it. But I kept saying like how sad that that's how it's why old people get scammed and yeah, you always no, see it yeah. on a current affair. And even drained the bank accounts of their husbands too. Well, yeah, he did. Yeah. And so anyway, it's the greatest doco. Um, and the awesome thing about it, I won't spoil it, is but the last episode will mm, blow mm. your mind. Like. It, uh, 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 you, you can't you, believe it. You get to see him. Yeah. But don't say anything no, no, else. No, I won't. But he he goes through his explanation of why he did or didn't do. You just no, 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 <laughs> said no, no, don't no. spoil it. No, no, no. But, but it's like it's, it's not saying what he's. It, yeah. It's, it's, you've got to see it. You you've got, got to see he it. He is just. But it, it is it is seriously compelling viewing. And we were both just speechless watching it. Yeah. It was nutso. So. Have any of your older friends been um, online scammed? No, no. I don't, really? Well, not that I'm aware of. This is the problem, though. A lot of people don't own up to being scammed mm, online. they're embarrassed. And it's crazy because all of these people get done, particularly in these romance scams, and they're not stupid people. Mm. They're people who've made a lot of money and worked in respectable jobs. And well, know, I, I just look at that and go, how the hell does that happen? But the you? thing is you, you can be not stupid, but online <clears> literacy <throat> and online intelligence is a whole different kind of thing mm. that they never had to learn. Like they just didn't. Like nobody told mm. them that you can get sent a document online that looks exactly like it would. Like it seemed when they explain how it, how they got sucked into something, you can be like, well, if you don't really understand the internet, I can see how you would believe all that junk. So anyway, I'm love still God. holding out for my Nigerian princess who's going to give me a, hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe I'm scamming you. <laughs> Well, yeah, you may well be, actually. You'll wake up tomorrow, this house will be in my I name. I know. I'll You'll have taken it. Chucked your clothes out in the yard. Oh, my God. 
This is an SOS. I'm definitely playing. If you're listening. I'm definitely playing the long game coming to Adelaide. Don't delete this. We'll need it in court. <laughs> um, okay, another show that I'm obsessed with right now that I think you saw me watching um, it's on Netflix. It's called Get Organised, The Home Edit. And it's just these two women in the US who run like a company where they go to people's houses and organise them for them. Right. So it's like, um, what's her name? The Japanese woman who's like, Marie get rid Kondo. of, yeah, Marie Kondo is like, get rid of all your shit. These women are like, have as much shit as you want. Bye, bye, bye. Consume, consume, consume. We'll, orga- we'll organise it for you, right. right? So they started getting, they have like millions of followers online mm. and they started um, organising really famous people's houses like the Kardashians and stuff. So then they got a TV deal and they have this show where they just go to famous people's houses and regular people's houses and organise their stuff. I'm sorry, this is bullshit. No. No, no, because. <laughs> Why? Because. Once someone else comes in and organises all of your crap, you've got no idea where it is. Well, no, but it they... It has to be disorganised. No. Everything, it, you walk into a house and go, geez, looks like a bomb went off in here, but I can tell you exactly where everything is. You know exactly where every model boat is placed? Well, yes, yes, on those little wooden tables you don't like. <laughs> where every antique radio is? I feel like you want a show where someone comes in and just, like, tells me that I can't have any of the furniture I like. <laughs> And we've got to have all this painted crap. And oh, Jacob and I have talked about it on here mm. quite a few times. I do. I just, Caleb and I have very different tastes. Caleb would like this house to look like um, a grandma died in it. No, I don't want it to look like a grandma died in it. I want it to look just slightly more modern than no, that. No, 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 no. So, so we're, a, we're struggling a, to a, compromise. Grandma died. You do me. <laughs> unbelievable. No, no, no. I mean, look. If you described it as a bit more, you know, club room, perhaps. Club room. But, Blech. you know, Blech. the the Chesterfield All Lounge right. has been vetoed. All right, Alan Jones. Right. Yes, I vetoed the Chesterfield Lounge. But I'm. We're, we're having. We're getting an Eames chair. Yes, I'm. I'm. Well, because Eames chairs are cool. So we'll have an Eames chair. We'll have an Eames chair. We'll have the boats. We'll have the old radio. And what about my? Your Polly Pockets. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just would like. Some of the furniture we buy not to be from estate auctions. Well, what's wrong with it? It's all, see this, you want to go and buy all this cheap foreign no, crap from No, I Ikea. don't want cheap foreign crap. I'm like, why would you spend $200 on two, like, solid wood 50-year-old well, bedside tables when you could go to Kmart and get two bedside tables for 30 bucks? They're yeah, bedside they're, tables. But they're from bloody China and they're all plasticky and crap. Why wouldn't you want nice, I can make them solid cool. wood furniture that survived time will continue to survive? Okay. Since this is the, I'm... <laughs> You, you reckon you're a left winger, but I am a real recycler. I, I buy stuff that's already been, you know, these <sighs> radios from the 50s. And this, this is real environmentalism. I do that with my Polly Pockets. With your Polly Pockets. Yeah. With your furniture, though. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we're just having our arguments on yes. the podcast now. Welcome. Although I'm, Welcome although to I'm sure this. a lot of people listening have had this exact argument. With oh, look. I'm, I'm sure we're not the only couple that has such disagreements. I'm currently trying to convince Caleb to buy this couch that we saw at Ikea yeah. that I've called the Blue Velvet Cloud. God. And it's the comfiest couch I've ever sat on in my life and it's blue velvet, like like dark blue velvet, and I want it so badly. Look, I'll, <laughs> I'll grant you that it is comfy. It's very comfy. But it is f- 
fucking massive. No, it'll fit. Oh, dear. You're going to get bleeped. We're not meant to say the F word. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh dear. We're allowed to say the S word. Naughty me. (laughs) Naughty me. Do you guys see what I'm dealing with here? Do you understand hearing his voice now that he's a 65-year-old man? Blue velvet. It's Dark navy you, you blue. You reckon my taste is dodgy? Blue velvet? I have good taste, thank you so much. Anyway, Ooh. so the home edit is awesome. The first episode, they go to Reese Witherspoon's house and organise all her costumes that she's kept from all her movies. So they have like a section for Legally Blonde and they have a section for like um, Walk the Line and they have, and it's like so cool. It's, oh, I want them to organise my life. <laughs> It just, it's every, it reminds you of like, you know, you like will go to like Daiso or Ikea or Kmart and you'll get all these plastic containers and you'll get all these labels and you'll be like, I'm going to organise everything. And then they just sit in the corner of your house for a year and you never do it. I'm worried I'm going to come home one day and they will have done a number on my class My dream, my absolute dream. Um, And then I've been listening to this amazing podcast called American Hysteria. You've got to go listen to it. It's basically, it's a little bit similar to You're Wrong About, which I mention all the time. Um, it's this girl, um, she's just on her own and it's really well written and she basically just goes back through things in the US that have made people hysterical at different times and debunks them. So she talks about like when people got hooked up in the satanic panic thing in the oh. 90s or when people became convinced that um, Halloween candy was poisoned or, like, she talks about gay panic and she talks about all this cool stuff and then goes back and kind of debunks it and it's um, really, really interesting. Caleb, funnily enough, is um, talking on this podcast but doesn't actually listen to any podcasts, which drives me insane. Do you know what Caleb listens to? His dream job, Talk Back Radio. Yeah, yeah, but, but I like to, I mean, being a journalist, I like to be up to date with what's happening right now. I listen to a lot of live radio. Yes, you know, I know. I, I listen to, well, I mean, you've got 2GB in Sydney or wherever the hell you are, but um, we've got 5AA here. Yes, 5AA. I've and been listening, well, I've been forced to listen to a bit yeah, of 5AA. You, you have, but you've also been forced to listen to the BBC World Service overnight. Oh, yes, that's true. I like to go to bed and listen to the, the BBC World Service, which is a wonderful Service. It's got all sorts of stuff from all over the world, radio, documentaries, all kinds um, Well, of I will say I haven't hated it. Um, I, as you know, have not had not not had a TV in my bedroom since I was four <laughs> years old. I fall asleep with it on. Here in Caleb's house, it, it shocks me that there is no television in the bedroom. I will be fixing that soon. So instead of the TV being on at night, uh, we listen to Caleb's radio. Well, it's much better than having the TV. All that bloody light. I don't know how you sleep with that light in the room. It's anyway, terrible. so American Hysteria is a great podcast. Yes. I think you should listen to it. Right. I know you won't. I've told you to listen to You're Wrong about a hundred times. I think the only podcast he's listened to all the way through is Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie, and that's because he couldn't be bothered reading my book, so he got to just listen to it. <laughs> On your instruction. On my instruction. Uh, have you read my second book yet, by no, the way? <laughs> Oh, See, the man I, live I love. It. I live it. You live, live it, it every day. I know, I do. Um, but oh, if you can think of any podcast that a 65-year-old man would uh, find interesting, let me know. Email us. And don't us. suggest Koshy's business podcast. <laughs> Just the gist podcast at gmail.com. Please email in. Um, and then, oh, okay, so my final reco 
this week, and we'll put all these Rico. in the show notes. Recommendation. Re- Who calls it a reco? Me. Fair enough. What, what would you call it? Recommendation. It's a reco. A reco. My final reco. Reco. This week is. To listen to on your smoko. <laughs> um, is I listened to, oh, I just mentioned, um, the You're Wrong About This Week had an episode about Princess Diana, which was super amazing. And in it, they said, uh, Michael, uh, the co-host said that he'd listened to this audiobook um, called The Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown. And I was like, yes, thanks. <laughs> it is like 20 hours long. I'm like three hours in because as you know, Caleb, I've been getting into my crochet. Yes, you have been getting into your crochet. I've become a crocheter this now, week. Now, you <laughs> carry on about me being 65 <laughs> years old, right? And I come home from work and you are sit- without fail every day this week. <laughs> You have been sitting on the couch crocheting. <laughs> it's my like, new favourite thing. I didn't realise I'd shacked up with my nan. Well, because I started, I tell you what, guys, I Googled, like, how to do a granny square and it is so hard at first. I was getting so frustrated with it. You can go to my Instagram and see my first one just look like a bunch of yarn had spewed into an oblong shape. But then something happens, like while you're doing it, something clicks and then all of a sudden you just get it. You've been getting really good at it. I that. know, I've gotten really good. It's I, a really big one. Like, I don't know if you've put it on Instagram or whatever. Not yet. Bit, it's big. Rosie's done this really bit. It's like she's going to turn it into a blanket It is going to be a blanket. For, for the cat or Well, because I don't know how to do anything else. I just, so the square just keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. But I went to Lincraft yesterday and even got some more yarn. Oh, my Like God. some more wool and in some cool colours. It's never going to stop. It's going to um, be the size of this room next. <laughs> so I'm really into crochet, guys. No, but I found it's really good for, like, kind of meditative because whenever I get writer's block or I just need to, like, stop and do something else with my brain, I just find it really good for mindfulness. You just sit there and you kind of, like, Gives your brain a bit of a break and you it's good. I like it. Good mindfulness tool. So if you've tried it and you thought it was too hard, trust me it's not. You just have to keep going until you cry and then you get it. <laughs> and it's not just the preserve of old ladies. No. Apparently. And it's so cheap. Like I just went, there's this shop here in Adelaide called Cheapest Chips and I went in there and I got some crochet hooks for <laughs> five bucks and I got um, five uh, what do you call it? Balls of yarn. Yeah, balls yeah, yeah. of wool for uh, five for ten dollars. Bada bing, bada boom. New hobby, fifteen bucks. Fantastic. So, bit cheaper than my auction hobby, but you know. Oh yes, Caleb's auction hobby. It's where I get the radios. It's and where it, yes. All the furniture that Rosie doesn't like. Every Saturday we go into this auction place. What's it called? Scammels. Scammels, and we look at dead people's stuff. It's not all dead people's stuff. I've sold stuff at Scammels. Oh, have you really? Before. I thought it was all just old dead people. No, well, people bring it in and sell it. I'm sure some of it's dead people's stuff, but. So we go in and we look at old dead people's stuff, and then you bid on it. Yeah. On the on online on Monday. Yeah, on Monday, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, normally the great thing about an auction is actually going along. Well, no, actually the, the I... The buzz of bidding and stuff, but you can't do that because of bloody Rona. I know, but I've actually enjoyed going there every Saturday and looking at all the stuff. It's cool it's stuff. It's fun. There. Yeah, there is a lot of cool stuff. I'm really into all the vintage toys. Yes. Of which I wanted one and, and Caleb forgot yeah. to bid on it. It was an old <laughs> tin um, robot, but it was Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons and... I wanted it so badly and Caleb forgot. And Rosie was devastated. I was de- I, n- I actually Nearly almost had cried. tears in my eyes. I was so excited about it. Not my and it went moment. And it went for like pretty reasonably priced, I think. Like It was 40 bucks. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Rosie the robot. 
I wanted it so bad. Um, anyway, so while I'm crocheting, yeah. I've been listening to this um, audio book called The Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown, and it's a little bit trashy, but it's just Diana's whole life. It goes into super detail. It's kind of like a long podcast, and I highly recommend it. It's really good. You would actually really like it, Caleb, because mm. you're into royal stuff and yeah. snooty, hooty tooty, <laughs> grandma stuff. <laughs> We've got, what have we got here? So, so I'm not I'm not going to take you saying I like grandma stuff when you're crocheting. No, crocheting's hipster. Oh crocheting's God, cool. Um, what have we got here? When I was unpacking, I found a teacup and saucer yeah. from, what is it? That's a, a coronation saucer and teacup, I believe. From Elizabeth, Elizabeth II's second. coronation yeah. in the Which 50s. Is, was it 52 or 53? You, you're was really asking the wrong person. Was there about? <laughs> I've got a bit of royal memorabilia. Yeah. In fact, somewhere I've, I've got a little um, coin from when uh, Diana and Charlie married. Oh, do you really? Yeah. You're such a dad. I have to dig it out. Can you tell me, Caleb, just um, before we go, just one current thing about pop culture that you know? Well, I don't bloody know. <laughs> just one. Come on, try and think of one thing about celebrities Celebrity gossip, pop culture, movies, anything. Is there anything you could tell me right now that you know that's going on in the world of pop culture? Uh, um, the Kardashians are stopping their show. Oh, that's, oh, you how do you that? know that? Well, I don't know. It came up on Twitter or something. All right, give me another one. Oh, shit. <laughs> tell me something that you know. I've been put on the spot here. Yeah, I know. This is funny. You don't know anything. No, 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 no. I can tell you all about what happened in court yesterday. I got <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, this is what I have you for. Yes, exactly. You you deal with all of that stuff and mm-hmm. I'll deal with all the serious crap and then we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. So <laughs> politics, huh? Yeah, politics. Yeah, election, uh, negative gearing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stamp duty. You're doing really well. Thank you. No, no, I, I, I've explained negative gearing to you. Have you? <laughs> That's probably why I know the words. I was, I was about to say I explained negative gearing to Rosie and she understood it, but she's obviously forgotten. I've already so, forgotten. Oh, forget about that. Whenever I have questions like that, I ask Jamila. <laughs> um, she tells me. Though things. you recently book a book. You recently bought I did. the book of economics. I bought a book about economics because I've, like, made it a goal to really sort of um, take control of my finances and be, like, a business bitch, like, really, like you know, into that stuff. And so I was like, well, I don't just want to understand my own personal situation. I want to understand, like, money as a concept and, like, that kind of thing. And so I went to the bookstore and I just bought a book on economics that had the most pictures in it. And how much of it have you read? About three pages. (laughs) 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 But, look, I'm I'm excited about getting more interested. Okay, let's end it there. Guys, that was just a little bit of breaking news for you. Oh, actually, it's gone for half an hour. But um, please enjoy this um, uh, episode on Anna Delvey that we did. I can't wait for the show to come out. And hopefully Jacob will somewhere up in paradise find an Apple store, get his computer fixed, and we'll be back next week because I have a really good episode prepared. All right, bye. Love you. Bye, bye, bye. Want to say anything? Have fun. Oh, no, actually, no. <laughs> We're have, keeping have that fun. in. No, 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 because that's what I always say to people on the phone. What do you say? I just say have fun at the end of it. Because I, I hate it when people um, just end a conversation by saying something like, 
Goodbye. So it you, just feels really non-personal. You end your phone call saying have fun. I often say have fun. What if they're like, okay, I'm going to my grandma's funeral now, and you go, okay, have fun. Oh, could be a fun time. Okay. Could so, be a wake afterwards. Okay, here we go. Okay, end the podcast. Have fun. Have fun. Shall we get to it? <gasps> Please. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about this one. I've been wanting to do this one for so long, but, mm. like, it's just there's quite a lot to it and so I sort of have notes and I kept putting things off and then I found this book about it so mm. I wanted to wait till I'd read the book and uh, so I'm excited to finally be doing it. Yay. And you know how much I love female con artists. Yes. So <laughs> they're my favourite <laughs> topics. <laughs> so this is just the gist on the fake heiress Anna Delvey. Mm. And I had here in my notes, have you heard anything about her, but you thought she was related to Anastasia. So I thought no. she was Anastasia. I thought <laughs> Anna was just a truncation of <laughs> Anastasia. Uh, because all of your knowledge of history comes from <laughs> Disney. Um, by the way, that's I love that animated movie. The Anastasia one. Yeah. Was, yeah, it's it's a really good one. Yeah. And John Cusack voices the sexy man friend, and I love his voice. So he was always one of my favourite Disney mm-hmm. men. I think he's one of the most attractively drawn Disney cartoon characters. That's true too. As well, yes. and it's disturbing that we're having this conversation. But um, mm, mm. he's anyway. in the top five. Oh, by the way, just speaking of hot Disney princes, mm. You know what really messed with my head as a kid? That mm. I was super attracted to the fox that played um, Robin Hood. Do you remember the <laughs> Do you remember the animated version of Robin Hood where it was all animals and Robin Hood was a fox? I was so into him. Oh. Like, what's that about? Mm. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> You've got a psychologist and a psychiatrist to ask about that. I'm not going to weigh in with an opinion. How <laughs> that fox Robin Hood. He was hot as. Um, okay, here we go. So, Anna Delvey is a girl mm. who managed to live in New York for about four years in expensive hotels, mm. eating at the best restaurants, socialising with the richest people because everyone thought she was a wealthy heiress from a billionaire German family. Mm-hmm. But she was just a grifter who is now in prison after being caught almost getting, almost getting, she almost got it, a $25 million loan from a bank. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing that I kind of love about her is she's not sorry. Like, she has just leaned into her criminal status and she's like, yeah, I nearly did it, mofos. (laughs) So this is the story of Anna (laughs) Delvey. Buckle in. (laughs) So she's born Anna Sorokin in Russia Mm -hmm. in 1991 to lower middle class parents. Her dad was a truck driver. Her mom was a housewife. They then moved to Germany when she was 16 because her dad got a better job there. So her Mm -hmm. dad started making, like, quite good money then. Um, She graduated high school and got into the Central St. Martin's Art School in London, which Mm -hmm. is pretty legit. That's an art school people, you know, come from all over the world to go to. Mm -hmm. So her dad agrees to pay for it and to pay for all her living expenses while she's in London going to art school. She goes to London for a bit but never actually goes to art school and decides that that's for chumps. (laughs) <laughs> so she drops out and she gets an internship at Purple Magazine in Paris. And Purple Magazine is a very exclusive fashion magazine. It's mm. very sceny. It's very like all the highest, most fanciest models and photographers and editors. You know, it's basically like working at the hipster version of Vogue. Mm-hmm. 
And so her parents are pissed off, but they agree to pay for her move to Paris and to pay for all her living expenses there because she basically tells them, like, like this is why I think she's smart. She wants to be among people with power and influence straight away, and she's like, why would you go to university? That's for chumps. Like, mm. get right in there. And I got to say... I kind of feel the same after wasting three years of my life at university. <laughs> so, And Elizabeth Holmes made it work for her as well. I'm with her. I'm with Anna up till now. I'm still in. I'm still in. <laughs> so it's at Purple Magazine in Paris that she starts calling herself Anna Delvey mm. and tells people that she's from Germany, even though she can not speak great German and she has a Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she gets in with all the editors of the magazine. So this is where she's smart again. She's like, she doesn't want to go to university. She wants to be in the industry. And then when she's in the industry, she's like, I don't want to just be an intern. I want to be up there with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So she gets in with all the editors and starts going to a lot of exclusive like parties and stuff. And people say she has a real talent of figuring out who the best person in the room is to be connected with and just zeroing in on that person and not giving an F about anybody else. Like she doesn't waste time on nobodies. Mm. And um, she's dropping the purple magazine name everywhere because that gets her some clout. Like it's like, you know, when I say it's the equivalent of Vogue, it kind of is. It's like if you go to get into an exclusive party and say, oh, I'm here from Purple Magazine, they'll let you straight in. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, when she's 22, she goes with some Purple Magazine staff to New York to cover New York Fashion Week. And while she's there, she goes to like every exclusive party that she can and she makes sure that she gets photographed everywhere so to get her face in the social pages. Um, and so she starts to seem legit, like this legit kind of socialite who's going to all these parties with all these cliquey society people. Mm -hmm. And these people will, because of how cliquey it is, they'll just accept you if they think you're one of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something she understands. Mm -hmm. She's like, act like fake it till you make it. If you act like you're one of them, they will just assume that you are and not question it. Mm -hmm. And so she, um, gets really good at kind of seamlessly fitting herself in to these parties and these groups. And I was listening to this podcast about her and this girl, and we'll put all the details in the show notes of everything I listened to and consumed because there's so much and it's I'm obsessed. Mm. I went down so many rabbit holes. But there was this girl who knew her and was at some party with her. And the girl was like, oh, my God, look over there, Anna. There's so-and-so. And it was like some famous photographer. And Anna was like, oh, he's a good friend of mine. Um, let me just go say hi and then I'll call you over. So Anna goes, says hi, and the girl watches them chatting. And then Anna motions for her to come over. She comes over and they start talking. They interview the photographer mm. and he's like, I had never met her in my life. Mm. She came over to me at this party and said, oh, hey, you know, I think we have some mutual friends from Purple Magazine. We started chatting about the people we knew for a couple of minutes. Then her friend came over and Anna introduced me as her oldest, bestest friend in New York. <laughs> and he said, I just started laughing because I thought she was being funny. Like mm. I thought she was being ironic. Like yeah. we just met and she was like, oh, here's my oldest friend. So I laughed yeah. and we said she was actually pulling off a scam. Like this wow. girl thought it was. And so she just was really clever at doing things like that. Yeah, yeah. So after being in New York for a few weeks, she decides she wants to stay there. She's mm. like, Paris is for chumps. New York is where it's at. And apparently there was some dodginess at Purple Magazine. They're quite embarrassed by their association with her in this whole thing. Mm. So apparently she was fired, but they won't really say what happened. It's not really confirmed. But I honestly think it was the same as art school and the same as the internship. She was like, screw this. Like, 
that's not powerful or important enough. I mm. want to come here and just start faking it until I make it here. Mm. And so she tells her parents she wants to live in New York now and they get the shits because they're like, you know, you dropped out of uni, art school, now, you you know, that we supported you through this internship, what are you going to do in New York? And she's just like, New York is where it's at. And mm. they're like, well... Like, we're going to support you for, like, a month or so, but you've got to get a job and support yourself. Either, like, come home or go to university or do something. We're not just paying for you to gallivant around New York. Mm -hmm. And so this is pretty much where she starts telling everyone in New York that she's a German heiress with an $80 million trust fund. (laughs) And so she keeps details of her family pretty vague, Mm. but there's lots of of rumours about what her family and what her dad does for a living. But whatever it is, it's just understood that she's rich as F. Mm -hmm. And it seems legit to people. Like, she was an intern at Purple Magazine, which is something rich kids do. They'll Mm. go and do a token internship at a really cool place. Mm. And then she turned up in New York and she's like, yeah, I'm from this rich family in Europe and she's been at all the parties and her photo's been in the paper. So people are like... Seems legit. Mm -hmm. She checks herself into a fancy hotel and buys some expensive stuff. And this is where she's smart again. So she'll buy like one expensive thing. So Mm -hmm. she'll wear a pair of Celine because she wears like uh, eyeglasses. Mm -hmm. So she has a really expensive pair of Celine glasses. And then she'll wear all black. Mm -hmm. So you can't really tell like where it's from. Mm -hmm. And people will be like, I love your dress. And she'll go, Alexander McQueen. (laughs) But it's probably like, you know from Target, but, like, Mm. she just knows how to look kind of rich. Mm. But another interesting thing that people said was she could pull it off with stuff like that, but something that a lot of rich people said gave her away is that she always had really crappy hair because Mm. that's something that you can't really fudge. Mm -hmm. And so, like, people would say, yeah, she looked the part, but then I'd look at her hair and I'd be like, what do you go to Just Cuts? Like, (laughs) what's wrong with you? Like, She also, like, um, tipped a lot. So she always paid for expensive lunches and dinners and she always put down lots of cash and Mm. she was at all the right events. And so nobody was questioning that she was just this heiress who had just moved to New York Mm. and was wanting to get to know people. And all those people in those cliques are like, yes, you're one of us. Come be friends with us, new girl to New York. Mm -hmm. But her parents' cash was only going to last, like, a hot minute. Yep. And was she getting into a fair amount of debt at this point as well? Not yet, but I'll explain. So here's where she starts grifting people Mm -hmm. um, and banks. (laughs) So she pretty much had her parents' money for like a second and Mm -hmm. then was like, I've got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So by the time her parents stopped giving her money, she's established herself as like a legit wealthy heiress on the New York social scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And she'd been telling everyone at all these dinners and parties and whatever um, that she's in New York because she wants to start a private club with her trust fund. Mm -hmm. So she wants to start like a club slash art gallery space and call it the Anna Delvey Foundation. (laughs) Um, People say when she described it, it sounded like her own version of Soho House. Uh So can you, for people who don't know, describe what a private club like Soho House is? I'm lucky enough to have had friends in London, New York and Miami mm. take me into Soho House. And Stop it. It's one of those... It's where Harry and Meghan mm. had their first date, by the way. Really? Uh-huh. In what city? London. Okay. There's a few mm. scattered around London. Um, so I think you pay an exorbitant annual fee to mm. then get access and I think you still need to book a table or a chair or whatever so it doesn't become too crowded at any point, but they'll usually have you know, rooftop swimming pools and beautiful cocktail bars and restaurant areas and chill-out zones. Mm. And it's just a place for, you know, rich people to escape the hoi polloi. 
yeah, like it's a place where you can go and have a meal or a drink or whatever and mm. you don't have to worry about riffraff. Yes. So she wants to start her own like her own one of that. A sanctuary away from the pores. Yes. And, you know, call it the, like, not at all self-absorbed Anna Delvey Foundation. Mm-hmm. Her big thing <laughs> is that she's grown up around arts and the arts and artists. And so she wants her club to exclusively show um, the work of emerging artists. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like she's also being generous mm-hmm. in opening this private arts club. Mm-hmm. So she's telling people she's in New York scouting locations and designers to get everything set up. Um, And everybody thinks it's true. Like, why wouldn't it be? Mm -hmm. Like, this is the kind of stuff people in those super rich circles do talk about with each other. So Mm -hmm. there's no reason not to believe her. Um, And this is where the benefit of the doubt that people give wealthy people really comes Mm -hmm. into play. So she manages to stay with people for a bit, just like, you know, spending the winter break at so-and-so's lake house Mm -hmm. or like... You know, um, she made friends with this super rich kid who was into the same art stuff as her and they decided they wanted to go to this big exhibition in some country. And um, she was like, oh, can you just, like, I'm terrible with details. Can you book everything and I'll just give you the money? So he's Mm. like, sure. So they went overseas for, like, two weeks. Everything was on him. And then, like, she just never paid him. Mm. And he was like, oh... Like, you know, and someone said to him later, didn't that bother you? And he's like, well, it wasn't really a lot of money to me because mm-hmm. this kid's a millionaire. And he goes, you know, I just figured she forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's how rich people often are with money. Mm-hmm. To them, it's of no consequence. Mm-hmm. They don't quite understand money. Like, they understand money. It's not that they don't understand it. I think they understand it in a different way to us. Mm-hmm. Pause. Mm-hmm. Us chumps. Yeah. Us pause. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when she sort of didn't have the cash to pay for something or didn't, like the rich people around her would cover it Mm. and it just wasn't really a thing. It was like, oh, whatever. They don't even think about a $200 lunch. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, but she can't do that forever. So then she starts doing something called check kiting, which is basically, I mean, we don't have a huge check, like, and I mean written checks. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a huge check culture in Mm. Australia because we haven't used them for so long, but they're still quite common in the US and Mm. particularly a few years ago. I mean, this was uh, the mid-2010s. Um, were used quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so it's a thing where you write a bunch of dodgy checks from one account, mm-hmm. deposit them into another bank account, mm-hmm. and then in the time between that check being deposited and it clearing, you can withdraw the money. Mm-hmm. And so she would write like $5,000 worth of checks, put it into an account, quickly withdraw $5,000 before those checks would bounce. And then she'd like spend some of that $5,000, but then take the money and put it into the other account that she'd written the checks from to sort of cover that. And then she'd do it with another account to cover that. So it's kind of like just borrowing money from all over banks in New York, hoping that it never catches up with you. And then using the money you've taken from that one to pay into that one. And then using the money you've taken from that one to pay into that one. So she was, but it can't, like at some point that's going to crumble. It can't last forever. But this is how she's getting by, writing dodgy checks. That is such an exceptionally flawed system that it's impossible to do that for a couple of days. I know, but this is, I mean, there's so many banks. Um, In the US, Mm. it's quite different to Australia. Like they have so many different banks like it's not just like commonwealth st george Mm. and two others it's like there's so many different branded banks so i think she just was good at Mm. avoiding it Mm -hmm. so she's doing that she's getting a bit of cash doing that um she um checks into this fancy hotel and she tells them that um she can't put a credit card down 
because um, she's like, but she's this German millionaire and her money's in this German account and her finance broker will contact them about doing a wire transfer to cover her hotel bill. Mm -hmm. And because she's rich and people give rich people the benefit of the doubt, they're like, absolutely, Miss Delvey, here's a room, check in. Mm -hmm. So she checks into this super fancy hotel and she starts just charging everything to her room. Mm -hmm. So she'll eat at the restaurants in the hotel and drink at the bar in the hotel and invite people to have dinner in the hotel. So it all gets charged to her room so she never has to actually pay for anything. Mm -hmm. And she's like dropping $100 tips and ordering $200 bottles of wine. So they think she's <laughs> rich. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they start chasing her for the money, she'll either cover it by check kiting. So she'll quickly get some cash through dodgy means and pay them, or she'll just check out and disappear and mm -hmm. go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Again, which can't last long because New York's a big city, but it's not that big. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're going to get busted eventually. And she also starts to get actually serious, like serious about the Anna Delvey Foundation. Like it's not just a dream, like a dodgy thing that she's telling people about. And this is where I think she's quite similar to our old bestie Elizabeth Holmes yes. from Theranos. Mm. Because you can't be fully certain if it was all intended as a fraud from the start mm. or if she was actually faking it until she makes it mm. and she believes she's going to make it mm. if she can just keep it going a bit longer until yep. she gets everything together. So the Anna Delvey Foundation is something that she's actually taking steps to make happen. Like mm. through the connections she's made in New York, she's introduced to really important finance managers and brokers and she hires one of them. And this, like, because finance brokers are like, for us poor, we don't <laughs> need them, but they basically like, if you want to apply for a loan, you don't do any of that work, mm -hmm. they go and organise all of that for you. Mm -hmm. You just say, I want this loan, this bank to give me a million dollars and your finance broker sorts it out. Mm -hmm. So she gets one of these brokers. She says that she needs, she's a billionaire heiress with a huge trust fund coming her way and she needs a $25 million loan to get her foundation off the ground because she doesn't want to rely on her parents. She wants to do this herself. Mm -hmm. So she's really like... And so this broker, like, goes around... Um, to a bunch of banks to see about getting her this loan. She has this very fancy marketing deck, which is mm -hmm. like a marketing presentation mm -hmm. that she paid one of the best marketing firms in New York to put together for her about the Anna Delvey Foundation. But when I say she paid them, yeah. I mean they invoiced her for it and she never paid them. <laughs> they were chasing her for months um, and never got their money. Mm. Um, so she has this very professional presentation about this foundation like build club that she wants to start so mm. the broker's showing that to all the banks and blah 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 and um she is inviting people to meetings at her hotel like she gets i can't remember the exact chef but he's pretty much like like heston blumenthal level chef mm. agrees to open a restaurant in her foundation club mm -hmm. like she's getting she's having meetings with actual real people who are very excited to get on board with this rich girl who seems to just be throwing cash around to let you do things in her cool new club. Yeah, why not? She wants to lease the building. Um, it's a very famous building called the Church Mission Building in New York. It's like a very ancient, historic old church. It's like five stories high. Mm. The lease is like $20 million. But if she can get this loan, even if she gets it fraudulently, she could lease this building. She's had all these meetings with all these people. She could pay them. She could actually pull this off. Like, I think she starts to think, mm. I could do this. Mm. And so this is how close she comes to getting the loan. It, mm. I, I cannot believe this. 
So a couple of banks that the finance broker approaches turn her down. They're like, no. But then one says, yeah, we'll give you $25 million loan. Just give us $100,000 like surety so we can do our due diligence looking into whether you're legit. Mm. And so Anna's like, yep, no problem. I can get you $100,000. So she somehow convinces another bank by like check kiting a bunch of money into the account that she's got money. Mm. And this other bank gives her a $100,000 line of credit. <laughs> so she, this bank gives her $100,000. Mm. She pays that $100,000 to the bank that's going to give her a loan. She's mm. like, here's $100,000, look into me. <laughs> and at this point, it must be so close, she can freaking taste it. Mm. Like this bank is like, we're going to give you $25 million, just give us $100,000 like, um, you know, surety, deposit, deposit mm. and it's yours. Mm. And she does it. And so she must just think, I'll pay back that 100000 when I get my 25 mil, mm. no dramas. And so they start doing their due diligence. Mm. Um, they want to talk to, and she's all over it. Like she covers everything. They want to talk to her German money manager. She gives them a number. They call it, someone answers. <laughs> they talk to them. Like they want bank statements from her family's trust. She sends them over, looks legit. Mm. Like it's all her, obviously. It's yeah. all fraudulent. Mm. It's all forged, fake stuff. And then someone, thank God, they must be thinking now, mm. at the bank is like, okay, we're about to give this girl $25 million dollars we can't just go off someone we've talked to on the phone and some forms she sent us. I think we actually need to go to Germany and meet her family's accountant mm. at the bank and verify in person at the bank that her family is worth billions of dollars. It's and worth so the cost of that plane ticket, it's yes. Worth the, and that's what she paid them $100,000 for. So they're not even paying for it. Like, mm. that's what her money pays for. Mm. And so they tell her that. And at that point, she says, um, I don't need the loan anymore. Um, I've decided I'm just going to ask my dad for the money. <laughs> and they're like, she, can you imagine how devo she must have been when they mm. told her that? Like, she thought she was so close. Yeah. You can't fake a real meeting at a bank. Mm. And so they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And so they've spent about $40,000 of the $100,000 she gave them doing the due diligence on her. So they give her $60,000 back, which she immediately withdraws and just starts spending. She's got 60 grand. Mm -hmm. Like the plan sort of didn't happen, but she's got 60 grand. Mm -hmm. um, she has a $30,000 bill at the hotel she's been staying at that they've been threatening to kick her out over. So she pays $30,000 to her hotel and she's mm -hmm. like, see, I told you I had money. <laughs> and that leaves her with 30. And apparently, according to the concierge at the hotel who she'd kind of befriended, mm -hmm. this was at a this was the point where she starts spending crazy money. Like she's dropping all her $100 tips and mm. she hires um, Dakota Johnson's personal trainer for private sessions because she was really famous because Dakota Johnson had just been naked in Fifty Shades of Grey, so everyone wanted her personal trainer. Mm. And she's getting like $500 facials and she's just like, I, I, I just can't. She got $60,000. Save it, girl. Mm. Put it under your pillow. Like why is she spending it? I don't, anyway. There's more where that came from. And exactly. She's figured out a way to rot the system. So the concierge said people would fight to make deliveries to her room because you knew every time you went up there you'd get a $100 tip. Mm. Like, it was nuts. So how does it all fall apart? Because it's going to, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's in prison now, so obviously it did. Mm -hmm. Things come crashing down because of a girl called Rachel Deloach Williams. So Rachel is a photo editor at Vanity Fair. She's not, like, super rich or, like, from a famous New York society family or anything, but her job does mean she's well-connected. 
Um, and she's well-connected enough for Anna to be interested in befriending her. Mm. Um, she wrote a book about her experience with Anna, which makes it hard to feel sorry for her. Like, she's not rich, but, you know, she talks about her family's holiday house in Connecticut and mm. travelling with friends for the weekend to, you know, Cuba and, and, like, her apartment in Manhattan that she can afford to live in. Yep. Like, so she's she's not super rich, but she's not a poor. Mm-hmm. Like, she's... She's very privileged. Upper, upper middle. Upper, 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 upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel meets Anna through, they have some mutual friends and they start hanging out. And this is around the time Anna has that 30 grand that she's just spending everywhere. So mm-hmm. Anna is paying for everything when Rachel first meets her. And as far as Rachel knows, she's this heiress, she's a billionaire. And she invites Rachel to come to the fancy trainer and she takes Rachel to the expensive facials and she, like, ha- takes her to expensive dinners all the time. So Rachel is, like, there's no reason for her to think Anna isn't super rich. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel likes all the free stuff. She <laughs> likes all the parties. She <laughs> likes hanging out with someone who pays for everything. Mm-hmm. The concierge friend, um, Neferati, um, that's her name, but they call her Neff by a nickname, um, mm. hangs out with them too. So it's kind of the three of them, Rachel and Neff and Anna hang out quite a lot. Uh-huh. And Neff says, like, Anna seemed to know everyone. Like, one night she was hosting a dinner and Neff was sitting next to Macaulay Culkin mm. and she was like, I don't know how Anna knows him or... And she was also like, and I was just a concierge and I felt like when you're a rich person, you're not allowed to be like, so did Michael Jackson, you know. Yeah. Like she, she's like, that's all I wanted to know. But I was like trying to <laughs> act like I fit in. Um, but I think it was one of those things where lots of people knew her, but everybody assumed everybody else was her good friend. Mm. Like nobody knew that none of them really knew anything about her. Right. But this is the point where, like, a lot of people have started to write her off as a bit weird and it's no coincidence that her only two friends and people she's hanging out with this point mm. are some photo editor from a magazine and the concierge of her hotel. Mm. Like, all the other rich people she's been hanging out with have slowly started to be like, what's mm-hmm. your deal? Go away. Mm. Um, and then they also hang out with the personal trainer becomes their friend. She's called Casey. Mm-hmm. So they are sort of got this little group and Anna pays for everything. Mm-hmm. So Anna has to leave the US every six months because of her visa. You know how you have to leave the country and then come back in? Mm. And so that's coming up. And so she starts talking about, let's make it a fun trip and Mm. we'll all go and I'll pay for everything. And Rachel's like, ZOMJ, I'm in. She loves it (laughs) because Anna pays for everything. So they invite Neff, but Neff can't go. They invite the personal trainer, Casey, and then Anna decides she's thinking about hiring someone to make a documentary about the Anna Delvey Foundation Um, and so Rachel introduces her to a filmmaker friend of hers called Jesse, and so Anna <laughs> invites Jesse. So it's this weird little group of it's Rachel, the personal trainer Casey, mm. Rachel's friend Jesse, and Anna. And Anna books a trip to Marrakesh to stay in this massive villa that's like $10,000 a night that like royalty and famous people stay in. Basically, have you seen Sex in the City too? You know that oh. place they stay? It's basically like that. Like Such a travesty, but yes, It's, it's a terrible it. movie, but yes, that is the kind of place they booked, Anna booked for Marrakesh. Mm. Now, on the day they're meant to leave, Anna hasn't booked any flights. But Rachel just figures, oh, well, she's really flighty, and this is how rich people are. Like, they just book a flight, and then 10 minutes later they go to the airport. Mm. Like, they don't care about specials or whatever. 
But as the day goes on, Rachel starts to stress because Jesse's her friend and Jesse thinks it's a work trip. So he's like, what's happening? Why isn't mm. it booked? And so Rachel kind of feels like it's on her. So she calls Anna and Anna's like, oh, I've been stuck in meetings all day. Can you book the flights? And, and Rachel, who as a photo editor has to book trips for photo shoots and stuff all the time, is really mm. good at organising stuff. So she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So Anna sends through a credit card. Rachel goes to book flights for that night, but the card doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. And Anna's like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I'll call them. And so Anna calls Rachel back and says, oh, there's some issue with my bank, but the airline booking office is about to close. We really need to book the tickets. And then doesn't suggest it, but like says just enough that mm. Rachel feels that she should jump in and suggest it. So Mm -hmm. Rachel says, why don't I just put it on my card Mm -hmm. and you can give me the money? And Anna's like, excellent, good, Mm -hmm. good idea. Mm -hmm. So Rachel books the flights on her card to Marrakesh. They all go to the airport. When they're at the airport, um, there's things like because it's a work trip for Jesse, like all his luggage, like he has a lot of video equipment that costs extra to check and Mm -hmm. and Anna has no money to pay for that because her card's still not working. Mm -hmm. So Rachel's like, okay, Anna's like, well, do you want to just pay it and I'll just pay you all this money as soon as my card's fixed. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel, from the point they're at the airport in America, is paying for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Rachel's like, and she says now, like... In her book, it's it's hard. Like I said, it's hard to feel sorry for her, but you kind of do. But like, mm. she's like, you know, there was no reason for me not to think she was a billionaire. I'd seen her charter a helicopter, mm. like which she had, and a chartered a helicopter, and then never paid for it. Like she's like, I'd seen her go to a tech conference in San Francisco, like on a private plane. Like mm. I, there was no reason for me not to think she was a billionaire, and that rich people are just flippant with money, and she'll pay me back. Mm-hmm. So they get to Marrakesh. And the first couple of days are lovely, but Casey, the trainer, gets food poisoning and goes home, which she says later, thank God. Mm. Um, the hotel's amazing. They get they have a private butler. There's a concierge who anything they want to do, they just get booked private tours of the city. Like they have private tours of the local markets where Rachel's still paying for everything that Anna wants. Mm-hmm. Like Anna gets like $3,000 worth of um, tailor-made clothes and Rachel pays for it. And Anna's like, oh, when my card's fixed, I'll just, I'll give it back to you. (laughs) Um, And Rachel's like, okay, boop. (laughs) Um, But Anna pretty much wants to stay at the villa all the time. Like Mm. she doesn't want to explore Marrakesh, um, which is because everything at the villa is just charged to your Mm -hmm. room. It's charged to your hotel bill. One night, they come back from being out to dinner or something, and the hotel management are in their room looking really threatening. Mm. And they say that there is no form of payment attached to the room, um, and they need somebody to, like, put a credit card down Mm. immediately. Mm. And this is, like, a $10,000 a night room. So this is not, like, this is serious (laughs) money. And Rachel says Anna acts really indignant towards them. She's Mm. like, like, I don't look, there must just be a problem with my car. Let me call my bank. And then, like, she's, like, on the phone to someone and then she's, like, the bank says they'll sort it out and, like, it'll be done in the morning. Mm. And they're, like, no, we're not leaving. Someone is putting down a card. And Rachel says Anna just acts really bizarre and just sits down on the couch and just won't... and just stares into space and won't do anything. (laughs) And Rachel's, like, Anna, like, you've got to sort something out. Mm -hmm. Like, talk to someone else at your bank. Can you call your parents? And Anna's, like... I told them the bank would sort it out by morning. If they don't want to accept that, then what? Is this all being documented by that Jesse guy? 
No, he's no. not filming this stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Basically, apparently he went there expecting to be filming a whole bunch of serious footage and all mm. she really wanted him to do was take Instagram photos of her. So that's all he did the whole time. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, Anna just sits there staring into space while these threatening men and, like, will just stop talking to the men, basically mm. acted like they weren't in the room. And Rachel's like, um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. And the men are like, we need someone to put a credit card down now. We're going to call the police. Mm. And um, they're like, look, we need just anyone's credit card. If your friend is going to sort her account out tomorrow, then why don't you just give us your card? And, like, we won't charge it. It'll just be the card we have on hold Mm. until we get Anna's card. And so Rachel hands over her personal credit card, but there's not enough money on that for there to be a hold on that Mm. for how much the hotel is. So she also hands over her Vanity Fair work credit card that's meant for work expenses because she's like, because in her head she's like, we're going to get arrested. Someone has to hand over a credit card. Here you go. So she just, and she's like, Anna will take care of it. Anna will pay for it. Mm. It's just a whole, doesn't matter. The next day, Rachel has organised to fly from Marrakesh to Europe to meet up with some friends Mm. for like a week. So Rachel leaves and Anna promises like, don't worry, I'll sort it. The Mm. money will be in your account, like whatever. Don't worry about it. Like you'll be fine. And a few days later, Rachel sees that the hotel in Marrakesh, like, because she hasn't been able to use her credit cards because there's been this hold on them, mm-hmm. but she assumed Anna would put her card down, her credit cards would get released, she'd be fine. Mm-hmm. A few days later, Rachel sees that the hotel in Marrakesh has charged her personal and work credit cards <laughs> for the hotel stay, mm. and it's a combined total of $65,000. Oh. Anna, meanwhile, has left the hotel. Jesse, the videographer who stayed with her a couple of extra days, um, said that, like, Anna was meant to book him a trip home mm. because it was a work trip and, and she just kept not booking, not booking, not booking, not booking. And eventually he was like, I don't think this girl has any money. So he just went to the hotel and booked his own flight home and left because mm-hmm. he was like, I, mm, I don't know. And so Rachel <laughs> is in Europe. She's living off her savings because her credit card's, you know, Mm. she owes $65,000 on them and she's calling Anna and like, and Anna, the thing with her is she's not avoiding it. She's like, totally, um, I'm on the phone with my parents, like bank mm. person, the money will go through to you. Like, don't, I don't know why they charged you. They shouldn't have done that. Like I'll sort this out. Mm. And and so Rachel every day is looking in her account, like is the money there? Mm. Is the money there? Because she's freaking out, A, because she has no money, mm. B, because she put it on her work credit card. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to get fired. Like, <laughs> Like, that is for literally, like, buying coffees for people at meetings. Like, that's not. And so (laughs) Rachel gets back to New York a couple weeks later. She keeps hassling Anna. Anna keeps giving her excuses. She talks to Jesse, who's like, like, Rachel, I hate to tell you this, but I think Anna's a scammer. And Jesse's like, no. I mean, um, Rachel's like, no, she can't be. She's rich. I've seen her on a helicopter. And so (laughs) Rachel then calls the personal trainer, Casey, and Casey says that Anna called her from Marrakesh crying, saying mm. there was a mix-up with her bank and could Casey please book her a ticket home and she'll pay her in a few days when this it's sorted out. Mm. And Casey was like, oh, okay. And Anna was like, by the way, can you book first class? <laughs> and so Casey <laughs> booked her a first class ticket home from Marrakesh and Casey was like, yeah, she still hasn't paid me. I've been struggling to get in touch with her. Mm. So Rachel and Casey are like, 
what the F? Mm. Does she have any money? But Rachel still doesn't think it's a scam. She's like, maybe her parents have cut her off and she's Mm. too embarrassed to tell us. Like, maybe her parents give her a monthly allowance and she went over it Mm. and she's waiting till next month. Like, because it's just not conceivable in her brain that she's not a billionaire. Mm. And so Rachel's hassling her every day, checking her account. The credit card companies are chasing her. She can't make the minimum payment because what would that be for $65,000? Like a lot. The minimum payment would be a lot. I don't even... Neither of us are good enough at maths or finance for that. Um, She has to borrow money off a family friend to pay off the work credit card so she won't lose her job. Mm. She starts tracking down other people who have their own Anna stories. Mm -hmm. And so that's when she realises that things are a bit dodgy. So the mutual friends that she met Anna through um, don't talk to Anna anymore because Mm. of just, like, money that never got paid back. She, like, talks to this other guy who said, you know, I became convinced she didn't have any money. She Mm. kept, like, like, at first when you're not paying for things, it's like, oh, whatever, it's an accident, but then it just became obvious. And so she's like something's dodgy mm-hmm. with Anna. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, things aren't going great for Anna mm-hmm. because she's burnt through those 30 Gs. Yep. She got a free holiday off this friend in Marrakesh. Mm. And when she gets back, she turns up at her hotel and the concierge, Neff, is like, dude, what are you doing here? Mm. They locked all your stuff in storage and kicked you out mm. because you owe like 50 grand. Like, <laughs> If I don't tell them you're here, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Please leave. Mm. And so Anna goes to another hotel for a few days. But at that point, the fancy hotels in New York are all like, be on alert for this German redhead who said she's going to wire you money because she won't. Mm -hmm. So then that hotel kicks her out. And one night she turns up at Casey's house crying, saying she needs somewhere to stay because her parents are, like, withholding money from her to punish her because they want her to come home and so her credit card access is cut off and please, can she stay over? And Casey's like, oh, fine, stay for a night. Um, She makes her leave the next day, but Anna leaves her laptop there and Casey's like, I know she left that on purpose. So Mm -hmm. Casey goes and leaves it with the front desk of her building and the front desk guy calls her and said that um, Anna came got her laptop and then waited in the foyer for eight hours. <laughs> just waiting. Because I don't think she had anywhere else to go. Yeah. So Anna's been avoiding Rachel at this point. Like um, Rachel's been trying to get in touch with her, trying to get her money, freaking out. And so Casey organises a lunch mm. with Anna but secretly invites Rachel. Mm. And at the lunch, Rachel and um, Casey are like, Anna, WTF, what's going on? Have your parents cut you off? What's the deal? And Mm. Anna's like, no. Like, she just denies, 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 denies. Um, And at the end of the lunch, Rachel's just like, get effed, Anna. Mm. Like, get effed. Um, Like, I'm going to take this further. I'm going to get a lawyer or whatever. Mm. So a couple days later, Anna gets arrested trying to skip out on a bill at a restaurant. So normally she just goes and eats and then like and charges it to her room, but she's not in any hotel now. Yeah. Nobody knows where she's staying right now. They think she's like hiring cars and sleeping in car the cars <laughs> that she hires. God. I bet she had some pretty like desperate nights at this point. I bet. And she still won't just go to McDonald's. Like mm. she goes to the most expensive restaurants in town and then just tries to walk out. Shuts and so this one dash. Yes. Yeah. And so this one restaurant won't let her leave. They call the police. She gets arrested. <laughs> So this is when the New York Post is tipped off about this, like, heiress wannabe Mm. who's going around, uh, 
like rorting all these expensive hotels and restaurants around New York. So they write this story about her that comes up in the New York Post. Rachel sees the story. She's like, what the hell? She finally goes to the police (laughs) and the police are like, oh, yeah, actually, um, we probably should look into this girl because it's not just restaurant bills. It turns out there's this whole thing with a $25 million loan and $100,000 from a bank. (laughs) And so they're like, "Mm, yeah, we're going to try and find her. And then at this point, Anna is gone. She's gone. Disappeared. Mm. So the New York Post starts writing stories about her. The police have started looking for her. Disappeared. Mm. So the police say to Rachel, can you please try and contact her and pretend to be her friend? Like, And Rachel's like, I can't. I told her to get effed. Mm. And they're like, no, we need you to be friendly with her so we can figure out where she is mm. because if we tip her off, she might just go back to Germany and then we'll never get her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Rachel starts messaging her like, I'm worried about you. Like, you've disappeared. Like... I'm not angry about the money anymore. I just want to make sure you're okay. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. It takes a few weeks, but Anna eventually starts replying. And I think Anna thinks she's hooked her back in again because mm. scammers always think they can hook you back in again. Mm. So Anna eventually tells Rachel, um, I'm really sick. Um, I'm at Passages in Los Angeles, which is one of the most expensive exclusive rehab resorts uh-huh. in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... So uh, Rachel tells the police and they're like, we technically can arrest someone in rehab, but it's messy and you need warrants and it's medical privacy stuff. It would be a lot easier for us if you can get her to leave the building Mm -hmm. and then we can arrest her. And so Rachel is going to Los Angeles for work. So Mm -hmm. she messages Anna and says, can we meet up for lunch? Mm -hmm. And this is what I find so funny. Like Anna was so like despo for booze. She messages Rachel and says, can you get a bunch of glass Voss water bottles and tip out the water and fill them up with vodka and bring them when you come to me? <laughs> 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 and Rachel's like, mm, I don't think I'm going to do that, Anna. Anyway. <laughs> so so she actually was in rehab. Well, she she had gone to rehab because she assumed that she could hide there and she couldn't get arrested because right. rehabs aren't allowed to reveal your medical information and therefore where you are, that you're there. Right. But she um, she didn't think she needed to be in rehab, but she does like to drink. So mm. she's like, man, I really want a cocktail. So she, <laughs> she asked Rachel to sneak her some booze. But anyway, Rachel organises to meet her for lunch. And um, uh, Anna uh, is allowed day leave. Mm. So she leaves the rehab to go and meet Rachel at this restaurant. And the second she sets foot outside of the rehab, a bunch of police officers come and arrest her. Mm-hmm. So Rachel kind of set her up. She's flown back to New York and sent to Rikers Island, which is a pretty notorious prison, which has since shut because it was so dangerous and awful mm-hmm. and terrible. She's brought up on charges of grand larceny, theft of services and defrauding hotels and acquaintances. And this is where she becomes a bit famous, mm-hmm. which is kind of, what she loves. Mm -hmm. So Rachel writes a story about the whole ordeal for Vanity Fair because that's where she works. Mm -hmm. Neff, the concierge, tells her story to a journalist at The Cut um, in New York Magazine and she writes this huge expose uh, on Anna which goes viral. Like Mm -hmm. people are obsessed with this fake heiress 
And so then people become really obsessed with her. Her trial, when she eventually gets put on trial, is filmed and she hires a stylist to dress her every day. So this stylist is pulling looks off the runway Mm. to dress her in each day she goes to court. And when they ask the stylist why, she's like, well, I didn't get paid, but I just figured it was good exposure for me as a stylist. Mm. And she did look fabulous every day. So that stylist did a good job. Um, People start wearing T-shirts around New York saying things like German heiress or my other T-shirt will wire you (laughs) $60,000. People are obsessed with her. Um, She's offered a plea for hardly any jail time, Mm -hmm. like months, but it's only if she agrees to go back to Germany immediately and do the jail time in Germany, Germany. And she won't because she knows that even being in prison in the US mm. is better for her commercially now that she's getting a bit famous. Mm-hmm. Her lawyer basically pushes her story as like the ultimate New York dream chaser. <laughs> like she came to New York, she came to the Big Apple and she decided to fake it until she could make it. And like she didn't quite get there, but she never intended to defraud anyone. She had big plans and she went after them and she fell a bit short, but she's inspirational. She's a gritty hustler. She's a gritty hustler, which is the New York dream. <laughs> And the jury was like, lol, no. <laughs> and so she's found guilty of grand larceny. She's sentenced to a minimum of four years and a maximum of 12 years in prison. Mm. So the earliest she can be released is May 2021. But it's unlikely that she will be because she's like kind of naughty in prison. She's had like 30 infractions. She's been given solitary confinement. She's mm. really rude to guards. But she's kind of okay with it because she's famous now. Like, Mm. she gets interviewed by people and, like, she was telling one that she thinks her time in prison is a really fascinating anthropological study. (laughs) Um, She's writing all about her time in New York and her time in prison. Um, She's even posting on Instagram sometimes. So Neff, the concierge, Mm. is pretty much her only friend left. And Neff goes to visit her and, like, so she posted on Instagram the other other day. Mm. You can just go to Instagram, it's Anna Delvey. She posts stuff, like, really funny stuff. Like, just, like, there was one of her in her prison, like, outfit, but then with her Celine glasses. Mm. And there was, like, another, like, little sketch cartoon of her saying, but I'm too pretty to go to jail. Like, she's just (laughs) totally embracing her ridiculousness. She's also, I think, like, getting money on the down low. So... Netflix um, bought the rights to the article that The Cut wrote that Mm. um, Neff was interviewed for. And Shonda Rhimes is producing a show on Netflix about her based on that article. And Anna was reportedly getting paid a fee through her lawyer for that Netflix series. Mm. But then they found, like, the courts found out about it. So Netflix was like, oh, no, we're not giving her any money. But I reckon, like, there is some deal down low way that... She's getting paid, definitely. Like it goes through some corporation that goes to somewhere that goes to somewhere and she Mm -hmm. ends up with money. Neff is also a consultant on that show. So Neff is getting paid as a consultant for that Netflix show. Mm -hmm. Rachel eventually got a $300,000 book deal Mm -hmm. to um, flesh out the article she wrote for Vanity Fair. She published a book called My Friend Anna, Mm -hmm. which is just... I swear to God, I got through it in a day because Mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous, like how she got defrauded, but Mm. also you don't feel that sorry for her because she's just like this rich girl from Manhattan. Mm. Um, That uh, book also, uh, the rights to that book also got sold to HBO. Mm. 
So HBO is making a series based on Rachel's book and I love that Lena Dunham is the one producing that one because I was like, of course Lena Dunham would relate to the rich girl like mm-hmm. <laughs> in Manhattan <laughs> who like didn't realise that her billionaire friend wasn't a billionaire. So Rachel's book is getting made into a series for mm-hmm. HBO with Lena Dunham attached um, and so she got 300 grand for the book. The book's a bestseller plus she would have got money from selling the rights so Rachel's good. Plus, mm-hmm. it took two years, but American Express eventually agreed to waive the $65,000. <laughs> so, like, it took a long time, but they were like, okay, fine, you got rorted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. Um, yeah, and so Anna's just in prison, all this stuff swirling around her that apparently she's loving, and she's just embraced this kind of... Sorry, not sorry. Like Mm. a reporter interviewed her a couple months ago and she literally said, they said to her, are you sorry? And she said, no, I'm not sorry at all. I was trying to make something of myself and Mm. I would do it again. Wow. She's the female Bernie Madoff. Well, kind, but... She's got that swagger and that confidence that I gave her a crack. Yeah, fake it till you make it. Anyone who got scammed, it's their fault. They should have been smarter. Well, a lot of the stuff I've read about her, people have said... Male, like male bankers and male people in the finance industry do this all the time. Mm. They like scam people, they hustle their way to the top and they make it and everyone's like, well done. Mm. Like you worked hard and you got there. And people are like, it's just because she's a young woman that like it kind of all fell on its butt. Mm. But I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but that's what people say. Like this is the way that you know, older, aggressive men behave in the industry all the time. Mm. And it's, you know, like, is she is she a scammer? Was it all a scam from the start? Or was she really thinking, I can hustle my way into high society? Imagine if she had pulled it off. Mm. Like, if she had got that $25 million loan, do you think it would have worked? Quite probably, Yes. Because if that was the new cool Soho house and, you know, celebs were being spotted there, then it was probably going to start turning a profit pretty quickly and then she'd be able to live off that. So, I mean, if she could lure celebrities there, then she'd be able to lure clientele that would be able to, you know, afford the really expensive membership fee. And then I can't even tell you how expensive the drinks and food are in there as well. So she'd probably start making some decent coin pretty quickly. So, you know, she could have. She could have pulled it off. Mm. She was close. She was very close. And can I ask, obviously she had a lot of chutzpah and confidence. Mm. Um, was she beautiful as well? She's quite a striking face. Mm. She's very skinny, little kind of pixie-ish look. But no, not just average looking. And people said she wasn't that beautiful. She wasn't that charming. People said she wasn't even that nice. She just knew how to act like a rich person. She knew the lingo. Wow. You're looking at her. What do you think? Not what I was picturing at all. Yeah. Not at all. Wow. I mean, even the finance people, like, who were interviewed later said she talked like she had grown up around money. Like, Mm. she knew her stuff. Yeah. She does have that sort of Olsen twin-esque quality of being very petite and very expressionless. Yeah. Um, Like, just too cool to give a toss about anything. Yes. Um... Yep, I can definitely see the hipster angle that she was probably working as well. (laughs) Wow. So that's the story of the fake heiress, Anna Delvey, a.k.a. Anna Sorokin, who has said she'll get deported from America when she eventually gets 
release from prison and she said um, she's probably going to go live in London. And I think she will make something of herself, to Mm -hmm. be honest, because she's embraced the whole story that her lawyer put out there, that she's just a hustler who tried to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's completely shameless about, like, the fact that she is... um, you know, incredibly consumeristic and and shallow and mm. all that stuff. Like, I honestly think that whole, like, the T-shirt, German heiress, and the T-shirt, like, my other T-shirt, well, why are you $60,000? That's just her summed up. Yeah. Like, she thinks that's funny and she loves it. Yeah. She'll probably wear that T-shirt when she walks out of prison <laughs> if she didn't have a stylist getting her something off the runway. Mm. So many merchandising opportunities. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, notoriety is just as good as fame these mm, days. Exactly. Um, and she, she understands that. Mm. She understands that. Like, I honestly think she's a hustler and she's just going to use this whole thing to her advantage. I think she's probably thinking she's glad it happened. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, Mae West, this is almost 100 years ago. The fact mm. that she went to jail, it was only for eight days, but the fact mm. that she went to jail just catapulted her career. Yeah. Because oh, then the scandal What about how Martha her. Stewart embraces it? Became yes. best friends with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Talks about her prison stint all the time. <laughs> it gives you that extra bit of street cred that yeah. <laughs> so people I, want you more. It's fa- I Okay, I cannot get enough of this. I'm obsessed with this girl. So um, we'll put it all in the show notes, but um, I read the... The article that made her famous and that went viral is um, on The Cut. It's an article by Jessica Pressler. Mm. It doesn't really have a title. It's just like, just Google Anna Delvey The Cut, but it's in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, I also read Rachel's book Mm. called My Friend Anna, Mm. which although it's a little insufferable, it's really fascinating. Mm. And every page you turn, you're like, she's not going to give you the money. (laughs) Don't give her your credit card. (laughs) But she does. Um, And then um, follow her on Instagram because Mm. occasionally she does a sneaky update from prison, which is the best. And then um, the show's coming out on Netflix and... um, um, by Shonda Rhimes, and then the HBO show has started filming and it's got Julie Garner playing Anna, who um, is not a super famous actress, but she's been in a lot of TV shows. She's been she's in Ozark at the moment and she's perfect casting. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You know, I gave you just the gist, but if you want to know more, it's all there. You can go down so many rabbit holes with this girl. It's fascinating. That is such a good story. That completely passed me by. I knew nothing about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know I like my female scammers, so I'm all over it. Um, that's it, my lover. Very good. All Thank right. You. Well, until next time. Till next time. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.